You're listening to the AID Network. Look, it's Disneyland. Hey friends, just three more episodes after today's and we will be ready for the opening of Disneyland. Are you as excited as I am? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, right? I pledged everybody that I would bring the show to you each and every Wednesday until Disneyland opens back up. And if for whatever reason, the timeline shifts and they wait a little while to open the park back up, I will continue my promise. But after today, we have three more episodes and we will be right there. If you've enjoyed this journey with me weekly and you want the good times to keep on coming to you each and every week, there's three ways that you could help me out. You could go to anchor.fm slash Disneyland for designers and become a supporter. That's the best way to help. But if you can't do that, and I understand if you can't, Please leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us each and every week. And while you're there, leave us as many stars as possible. Podcasts that get reviews and positive ratings get pushed up to the top of the algorithms, allowing more people to find Disneyland for designers. And if you're enjoying these weekly rips around Disneyland, you need to help me do what we can all do to keep the good times coming each and every week, even when the gates open right back up. What do you say we get started with today's episode, 10 safe spaces to visit when you return to Disneyland with Jared and myself, and it starts right after today's sponsor. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your your fandom by making limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust, and Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they pass that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Well, my citizenship still pending, still don't have that button, but I'm just weeks away from attempting to earn it all over again as we see the gates of Disneyland get ready to open back up. Maybe sooner than some of us imagine, maybe not soon enough for others of us. As the world is slowly shifting and becoming a little bit of a semblance of what the new normal is, today Jared and I ask ourselves, where are 10 spots that you could go and visit in Disneyland and feel remotely safe 
and the new social distant version of society. Where could you go if you just need to get away from this world? And friend, I understand why you would, and you need to be inside the berm, inside the sights, the sounds, the smells of Disneyland. Here's five from Jared and five from myself. Ten places where you could go to get away, but not get too close to everyone else. So you know the deal. It's time to close your eyes. It's time to open up your ears. Open up your imagination, and it's time for our weekly rip around Disneyland. It's Disneyland for Designers, episode 25, 10 safe places to visit Disneyland when you return. Thank you so much for joining us for a trip around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. It's that time again. It's another week, another rip out to Disneyland. And oh, would you smell that fried chicken over at the Plaza Inn? I'm just waiting for my buddy Jared to show up. I think while I'm waiting for him to get here, I might go ahead and hop in line because what sounds good right now is three pieces of fried chicken with green beans. Yes, I want gravy on everything. Don't hold back on the mashed potatoes, and please, can I sweet talk you into a second roll? Uh, excuse me, sir. Can you stand six feet back uh, until we're ready for you? Aww, Thank you. This socially distant Plaza Inn. How dare you? <laughs> Plaza Inn is one of the places Jared will be looking forward to social distancing because sometimes people don't seem to know where the borders are. Mm, yes, yes, that's going to become. A thing, don't you think? Somehow, in a weird, funny, pop culture way, yep. more so than even now, I yep. think as we start heading back to the opening, it's going to become this thing. I can't quite tell where it's going to go yet. I have a feeling that social distancing, hear me out. Yeah. Nobody likes wearing a mask. That's just a right. given. That part's going to be bad. Mask, bad, not fun, but a necessity to be a good citizen of Disneyland. And I'm, I will, I've actually been mask training. Yeah. Okay. okay. What been, does that mean? That means I've been wearing a mask for yeah. as long as humanly possible to get ready for my <laughs> 16 hour shifts at Disneyland. <laughs> I, I'm thinking really that's multiple masks, right? You almost have to sort of trade them out or throw them away or because it's going to get kind of wet and kind of all that stuff. Well, I'm a mouth breather mm -hmm. and uh, I've been trying to perfect a little bit more nose breathing. So I've I've been training for my mask shifts at, at Disneyland, but where I'll say wearing a mask, not fun, not fun in the heat, not fun mm -hmm. in the humidity, not fun while you're walking around, not fun eating ice cream, but I've been training. The social distancing aspect of yeah. people having boundaries, mm -hmm. I think it's going to make Disneyland a lot better not to get that old stroller to the back of the calf. Yeah. Oh, if it, if it happens. <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be very clear in, in, in spots for sure, right? When you're yeah. queuing up and, and everything like that. Everywhere else, I'm a little concerned about. I mean, that's up to you and, and sort of how you navigate it. And, you know, it's impossible just to get around a slow walker, let alone get all the way around and, and not, you know, coming into proximity with another crowd and everything like that. So I, I guess it'll, a lot will depend on crowd level. Well, then let's start here. Jared and I are hanging out at the Plaza Inn. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get the fried chicken meal. Normally what I do so that I don't get too indulgent, Jared, is I mm -hmm. like to get 
the Cobb salad. Now, the Cobb salad sometimes gets taken off the menu, but if you ask for it, they'll still make it for you. I enjoy oh. getting the Cobb salad with one fried chicken breast on top. I call it the presence of health. I know the Cobb salad is not really that good for me, but I get to go home and best like, so what you and Jared eat at Disneyland? And I go, <laughs> I got a salad. <laughs> They'll let you do all the cart, one piece of chicken? I did not know that. Or if you get three pieces and that's not enough, you can add a fourth piece on, which I've done as well. Ah, there you go. So I'm going to get the three pieces of chicken because I've just been dying to get this. What are you having today? Uh, probably all of the desserts. Uh, there's usually some kind of themed dessert there. Yep. I think one's like shaped like COVID thing with ears on or something like that. <laughs> oh, I'll get that one. Cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, I usually get the fried chicken. I always sometimes second guess and be like, oh, that looks pretty good. I'll get the pot roast or whatever mm. the other thing is. And then I always regret not getting the chicken. They also sell a salmon there mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that a certain co-host of Disneyland for Designers has suggested that maybe the salmon doesn't get the grease stains all over the plaid vest. So, you know, <laughs> I guess there's a whole other way of eating when you have to look presentable. But I gave up on that a long time ago. So... As we sit out here on the patio, hmm. Astro Orbiter got taken down last year in part of Project Pixie Dust. Or, hmm. And uh, what, was it Pixie Dust? Was, sure. St hold on. Stardust? Not Stardust. Stardust. Star Stardust? Yes. Operation okay. Stardust. Half Star Wars, half, half, half Pixie okay. Dust. I think something tells me we don't have this right. But... <laughs> I have to say, uh, when it was taken down, I didn't totally mind it. I like the wider berth Tomorrowland. The, this attraction kind of bottlenecks it. But the only time I enjoy this being here mm. is when we're sitting here eating because you get to hear just Disneyland attraction sounds in the background. Yeah, that's true. I, I too, I agree. I liked it that it was gone. Uh, it's an odd place for a, an attraction. I would rather see like a smaller but prominent sign yeah. there, you know, like a Tomorrowland sign or something. Um, but um, yeah, I kind of, uh, it's one of those things like, it looks like an old 90s toy now, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It absolutely does have that sort of vibe to it. I just think it's the, the they didn't go all steampunk right like they went mm -hmm. glossy steampunk and true steampunk would be distressed matted more muted and the fact yeah. that this thing has such a like uh, acrylic coating on it makes it look more like candy and less like industrial so when you look at this thing it does look like some sort of spinner ride that your friend would have and one of the pods would be broken off because your friends never take care of their toys but somehow always have all the toys and you just say if I had the nicest toys I would take care of them but you don't and your friend has them and they destroys them so there's a way that it yeah. goes <laughs> so this is one of those things where I think it's the problem with Tomorrowland because I'm thinking oh we're going right what, into what, that shots well, fired <laughs> what would change about this thing that would make me ride it right like I don't particularly like these spinny rides anyway yeah. but it's not a simple fix and, and I think it because it's where it's at it's going to determine the flavor of what you're going to come to they can't plop a Star Wars thing there they can't really plop a Buzz Lightyear thing there or go that route because that'll look just as kitty or cartoony so I don't know like um I would love to see a retro version of it, like 60s era space thing. Like that would be so cool because that feels like vintage Disneyland, but it's at odds with the theme of the land. So I don't know. Something's got to shift. Anyway, we're way off track. Here. It's fine. It's fine. You're you're just excited to be at the park. I'm excited to be at the park. Everybody's excited to be here with us. I mean, you know, the, the Tomorrowland conversation 
Yes. It's much like the promise of tomorrow. It, it, mm-hmm. It's always evolving. It, it's it's never present. Like you can just right. talk about the problems of Tomorrowland forever. But what Jared and I are here to talk about today is the parks reopening. And I mm-hmm. have to say, and I and I, I breezed past this last week with Justin Scard on the show. And, and thank you to mm-hmm. all the new listeners that found us last week. It was so fun to have Justin on and, and for so many of you uh, to find me over here and what I'm doing each week as long as the park is closed, which is surprisingly just about two episodes from now and Disneyland will be back open or on its way of back opening. The opening date, it really did sneak up and shock me. And I was waiting for you to be on the show where I could fully go into this. But that day I had people asking me about the rumor. Do you think Disneyland's open? Do you think it's going to open? And I just said, no, I don't. I, I really don't. I think that we will be months after Florida and following because you know, with predicting what Disney's going to do is all about following the their their thread of of history and the template mm-hmm. of what they've done in prior. And when you look at the rollout for Walt Disney World, it was like you know we're going to open Disney Springs, we're going to give a huge space of time, then we're going to open up the park, we're going to do these two, then these two. I mean, it was just such a very mm-hmm. detailed. Here's what to expect. Here's when it's happening, and maybe it's because of the sheer amount of cancellations for that being one of the number one tourist vacation destinations on planet earth. Maybe they felt more of a responsibility because it's more of a global audience, but it was just like one day out of nowhere. It's like, yo, by the way, we're opening up the park next month. See you when you get there. It's like being invited to a rave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that makes me think my first thought was there are other factors that we're not considering always uh yeah yeah which yeah of course and i think it might be a, a business decision that uh you know we know that's probably not ideal or optimal sure. but we need to open and then we need to modify and make this work not wait till it's safe but just make it work under these conditions um I, i'm sure everyone has lots of opinions about that but I, I could see that part because I was surprised too. I mean, we talked casually with some friends about taking wagers on when we thought the opening date was. And I think I predicted August at the earliest. But, yeah. Um, yeah, even that seemed early to me. Like, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Well, our friend who's one of the bigger insiders was laughing at all of us because he's like, yeah, you think you're going to get back into that park in 2020 and then boom, downtown Disney's going to be open uh, July 9th, I believe. And then not too long after we'll be getting the park opening up on its 65th anniversary, getting back open in time for July 17th. What Mm -hmm. I found to be interesting about this, and this is something I kept telling Beth and Disney for designers is not a political show. I I fight politics personally and professionally, but this is my hobby and I'm not going to get into it. That being said though, when I was watching um, the protests that were happening all across America, I did say to my wife, I said, it would be, politics aside, it would be very hard to own a public dwelling space such as Disneyland mm-hmm. and see 60,000 people walking through a downtown area and be like, why can't I open? And mm-hmm. I know there's a big difference between Disneyland and what's happening in the streets. I'm not an idiot to, to think that those are on an equal playing field. And I know why people were willing to risk their health. But I do think what the protest did is they accelerated an idea of seeing people in public spaces, people being outside. And they also asked the question of, 
doesn't seem like a lot happened from those. So that's getting off into where we could go down all kinds of tangents mm. that aren't appropriate for this show. But I do think that as I and a lot of people in America were seeing mass crowds of people get together outdoors, I think it probably made a lot of business owners go, why am I hanging on the vine and bleeding out money when it looks like a lot of people are somewhat willing to be back in public spaces and to be, be near each other? I believe that had a lot to do with some of the acceleration of plans that we've seen. Yeah, I I would agree. Again, like you said, this is something we can debate and we couldn't cover it completely here. No. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's almost like, to oversimplify here, it's like two parents, right? Like, uh, the dad is like, what? what's the big deal? The mom's like overly cautious or sure. something like that or, or vice versa, whatever. Uh, and then it's coming to this sort of middle ground, you know, like this, this agreement. And, and both parties aren't thrilled, but it's like we got to just sort of find that middle ground. So to me, you know, again, lots of opinions on, on, on what could go on. But I was wondering, too, to that comment is when this process started for Disney, when did they start toying with this date? Was it that recent, just before the announcement? Or was like, has this been the plan, you know, from the minute they closed, here's what we're shooting for, let's do everything to try to, or or again, financially, it, it, we have to open by this date. Otherwise, things are going to start collapsing. I, I just have a feeling that this wasn't the original plan, and that it was mm -hmm. accelerated. Mm -hmm. And partially because they got their image out quickly, then they got yeah. approval from the state of California, and we still don't have any real intel. I have the pass that gets me into the park 365 days a year. I pay for those two dumb weeks, right, you know, between mm -hmm. Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. Right. I have no idea what my rights are as a customer. I, I hear mm -hmm. that I could hold up to three reservations. I have to book a reservation. How hard is that going to be? You know, I, I know Disney's always been sort of... Um, very loose on what capacity is and they don't really talk about the numbers and they kind of keep that part of the business out of the public's view. But I think as a consumer, I have a right to know how many people they're going to let in on opening week. Like I need to know, am I one of 5,000, 20,000, 30,000? Like I, I mm -hmm. think that there should be a real level of transparency of this is what you're walking into. This is what we're doing. I ultimately have faith that out of all the companies that I can trust, they won't do anything too crazy or too gnarly. But at the same time, they are a business. I think they maybe saw a cultural and a climate shift as well as a lot of states did. I mean, California was just like, nope, 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 maybe. Okay, you can go do it. And it's almost like going back to the parent analogy. You just wear mom and dad down and so like, fine, go stay at your mm -hmm. cousin's house. Yeah, and I exactly. feel like that's kind of what society did to the politicians that were still trying to fight the good fight and hold the, the upper ground. Ultimately, though, Disneyland reopening is a consumer choice. Are you mm -hmm. willing to choose to go into the park on July 17th or are you going to wait a while? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, me personally. Yeah, you, yeah, um, you personally. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just asking. I like you were just listening to the show. That was that was cute. <laughs> uh I personally am going to wait and see. Like we talked about before, I, I am very curious to see how this thing rolls out. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's never any um, 
lack of coverage for, for what's going to happen. Those people that cover these things, they're going to be there day one. I'll be and there. I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll get to see everything that's happening. Oh, look, they put stickers on the ground. Oh, you have to wait over here. Very curious to see all that from a historical perspective. But from a health perspective, eh, I think I'll wait and visit you in the hospital and turn off your ventilator and have you tell me how it went. Just put the pillow on my face. That's right. <laughs> well, I thought when we got together, it would be nice to record an episode. And and granted, I'm not downplaying um, people's health concerns. I'm not downplaying right. what this means to society or how serious we should take this. And in many ways, and we can get to this later on in the show, in many ways, I wouldn't be opposed to what one of the Disney cast member unions is asking for, mm-hmm. which is the union that represents 17,000 of their cast members is is asking Disney to please move back their opening date. And if all of a sudden they said, you know what? We're being a little bit too optimistic with July 17th. We're going to open up the weekend after Labor Day. I would be off for it. Yeah. Because I'm one of those idiots that can't resist it once I know that it's open. Right, right. And that's, it's kind of like, you know, when, when your city says you're not allowed to leave the house and your business needs to be closed, then you have a really great excuse to your landlord. I can't pay my rent. I can't open my business. But mm-hmm. as soon as your governor or your mayor says, we're back for business, then you suddenly have a very, very hard fight with your landlord. He's like, hey, things are open. I need my rent money. The deal's over. I'm having that same fight with my heart and my brain. My heart wants to be in the park and my mm-hmm. brain saying, what are you doing? And I believe my heart is going to win just because I need to get back in. So what I asked Jared to do is I said, you're a little bit more cautious than me. I'm a little bit crazier. That was established on episode one, and we've just yep. showed that to people now for 25 episodes that I'm a nut job. But we made a list of 10 safe places, relatively safe places, 10 comfortable places to go to when visiting Disneyland. And now I would urge you that if you don't live in Southern California, if Disneyland is a long car ride or a flight away and a full price ticket, and who knows, I might have to buy a full price ticket on opening day because my pass might still be paused. Hmm. And I'll do that because I, right. I got to get in there. I won't be happy about it, but I'll do it and I'll understand it. And I'll even, they started to go fund me and I even put a little bit of money over there too. But I, this is a list for people that have the luxury of coming to the park as a local. Mm-hmm. If you really, really need the magic, you could do these things if you're from out of town, but I don't think this is a traditional Disneyland visit. But I also don't think that these are traditional Disneyland times. So mm-hmm. our list is sort of curated around what would make for a, I just, I need to go someplace and feel happy, feel the vibes. And this is the list we came up to. And ironically, we're having lunch today and I need to stop talking so I can eat. We're having lunch today at the Plaza Inn because this is one of your spots that you pick. Why do you feel safe here at the Plaza Inn? Which, let me remind you, was mm-hmm. once the site of a $10,000 robbery. <laughs> do you know that's that story? Why, that's why I picked it. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It is. It is. Do you want to tell it quickly? Or yeah, you... quickly. In 1960, yeah. newspapers across America carried a headline that said uh, there was a bandit that stole for the first time in five years. A bandit got away with $10,000 uh, in Disneyland. And it seems that a cast member who was carrying a bag of money, said that as he walked outside of the restaurant, which was then the um, Red Wagon, said Mm -hmm. a person put a weapon into his back. 
and said, hey, hand me the money. And then they were out $10,000. Well, then a few days later, in a jacket in the back area of the Red Wagon, they found a jacket that had $9,600 cash in the pocket. So there wasn't really a burglar. It was just a convenient story to maybe go away with $10,000, 1960s money. Which in today's money is $50 billion. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It's a, it's one of those fun uh, Disneyland stories, right? That I wonder how much that's changed over the years. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I like the Plaza Inn in these times because it's outdoor seating. I would be seating, sitting outdoors for sure. It's a good view. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of why I picked most of these things on my list. You, you get to see anything. You could, you could maybe catch a parade if it happens to pop up or whatever version of that they're doing. Um, you know, you get a lot of hustle and bustle, but you can sit. Uh, on the sidelines without you know interacting and you can kind of probably keep your distance from other diners but you know the minute you go sit in that abandoned corner someone's going to come sit oh like next when you're the first lone dog to get to the movie theaters and then the next person that comes in a couple like we'll sit right behind the single guy (laughs) yeah exactly why so but i feel like there it uh, you have the options to, to move around or to get away without actually leaving the restaurant area so uh, that was one of my and plus it's it's good food like i would eat there normally so i feel like it's one of the safer places well and i also think that if disney does their job properly and i anticipate that they will you'll be looking at less tables or tables taped off sort of mm-hmm. ensuring that if you get a spot on the rail that somebody would maybe be a uh, traditionally like a table or two over from you yeah this has been one of those places that as a local i've come here with friends i have mm-hmm. set out on this patio for hours i've watched the fireworks from here once during the 24-hour party i remember watching the sun come up over sleeping beauty's castle while we were just mm-hmm. crushing mickey shaped waffles and fried chicken i love this area so much i love the design of this restaurant all the window yes. fixtures and and sort of details are actually um, mimicked off of uh, an old mansion up in Los Angeles. So the idea does come from somewhere. But these two corner restaurants that sort of flank the end of Main Street, it's almost where mm-hmm. Main Street stops and the central hub begins. These two restaurants, I really, really enjoy them. And my mom took me to World as a kid. And one of the very few things I remembered from a trip of going to World at maybe five or six years old were these canopies. I remember the wrought iron chairs. I remember these, the canopies above the tables with the big bold stripes, like the, the, the popcorn shaped light bulbs. Like I remember what these patios looked like from world. I remember these patios, people mm-hmm. walking dog leashes with invisible dogs in them. And I remember being terrified from the elevator in the haunted mansion. And um, <laughs> so these, these patios, I really do feel like they, they give the Disney vibe. So, once again, if you just wanted to get away and you wanted to go someplace and feel the Disney vibes, you could sit over in a corner, you could get at a table. Maybe when there's nobody around you, you could slide the mask down a little bit to get a little bit of breath before you got to pull it back up. And I just, and also you got to take the mask off when you eat. So yeah. this could be a really cool place. Depending on where you sit, you could catch Main Street vibes. You could catch Tomorrowland vibes. You, I mean, you could just kind of feel like you're in the park without participating. Yep, absolutely. And um, if you go over to the other side, that's now what I always associate with boarding passes for <laughs> oh, Rise of the Resistance. Where we got ours, where we nailed yes. it. 
<laughs> Could you imagine if for whatever reason you're like, man, I'm kind of busy with going out to the arts festival at Epcot. Like, maybe we'll just get our, maybe we'll do Rise when I get back from my big time, I'm a Disney star trip. Yes. Um, you may have never actually uh, rose against the resistance if you chose that option, my friend. I know. And it would have been very easy to do it because it already felt crushed doing it like uh, two days before. So, uh, you know, that's why I was really hoping we were going to get on that first day. But, yeah, I'm glad we I'm glad we went back for the next one because, yeah, I think you're right. I probably would have missed it. Um, Like it would have come close. If you want to see our crazy two day saga of trying to ride Rise of the Resistance, you can see it over at YouTube.com slash Adventures in Design. It's uh, it was quite a two day saga that we had. And as the pandemic started to happen and things got very serious. I kept remembering, like, I remember when my biggest complaint was Jared and I went all the way down to Disneyland and a boarding group didn't get called. Like, it was like yeah. easier times, man. Simpler days, yeah. Simpler yeah. days. Hey, Jared, uh, I'm feeling like I need a little bit more food because I haven't had a lot of the Disneyland food. And I, I heard that they're doing a happy hour right now and they're rolling back their original Red Wagon restaurant menu. So I'm going to go up and get something, but I want to know, shall I get for you the Snow White, the Pluto, the Casey Jr., the Monstro, or the Lady and the Tramp? Which one of these meals would you like for me to grab for you? Uh, Jeez, tough decision. Uh, What's the Casey Jr.? The Casey Jr. is a hamburger with fresh ground round on a Mm -hmm. bun. It comes with potatoes, vegetables, and a choice of ice cream, sherbet, or sherbet's what we call it back south, sorbet. Jello or an ice cream bar and a choice of milk chocolate or buttermilk. And you know what? I know you haven't had any royalties in a while because all the stores have been closed. Yes. So I'll float your one dollar and ten cents. Hmm. Dollar ten. What year is that? Uh Does this it is say what Yeah, from the, the opening. Oh, oh it is. Yeah, okay. opening years. Lady in the Tramp is a spaghetti and meatball. Wouldn't you get there all you the same choices? Snow White is a roast turkey. Um, Pluto is a broiled premium frankfurter on a bun. Because you really okay. like a hot dog named after a dog. And That's right. Monstro, keeping with that same vibe, is halibut steak. Ah, kids love halibut steak. Well, the Pluto's 90 cents, so that's for the kids. But mom and dad are going to probably splurge on that $1.25 halibut steak or a tuna salad sandwich. Everybody loves a tuna salad sandwich in July humidity. So this is just the general uh, menu. I thought that was all kids' options. That's the adult menu as well. Yeah. <laughs> you love that? That's fantastic. Yes, I love that. I love those prices. And you know what's funny is how they probably thought back, like, this is highway robbery. Oh, people went you there. Know, I'm like, yeah, I went there. It cost me a dollar to get the kids in, and then they're hungry, and I got to spend 90 cents on a broiled Frankenfurter dog. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. But today, if dad doesn't want to pay for the chicken or the, the, the salmon or the salad, he can buy a corn dog out front off of the Little Red Wagon, which is named after the original namesake of the restaurant. That's interesting. That's interesting that they kept that uh, as the name. I never knew where that came from. I just thought it was cute because it was the little red wagon. But I never, I never put that together that that's where it came from. Yeah, it's cool huh. that it, it it is a little red wagon, but it's also a yeah. little version of what used to be in front of it. So I love the name of that so much. Funny how Jello was offered with absolutely everything back then. I think you can still get it in certain restaurants there. But um, funny how that was such a mainstay. 
the texture of Jello. Yeah. Like that first bite into it and how it feels like you're making a dental mold. Yeah. I hate it. Hate it so much. <laughs> I also hate sorbet, or as we call it in the South, sherbet. Just give me ice cream or give me death. Oh my gosh. You didn't grow up on Jello, or did you and just hated it? I mean, I did it and hated it because it was sweet and I was always trying to get my fix wherever I could. But given, yeah. given an opportunity, I'm a cookie, cake, pie, yeah. or ice cream guy. The uh, Jello, though, like I prefer the finger Jello texture, the firmer texture, as opposed to just the regular Jello, which you eat with a spoon or they put in salads or something like now that. Now, pudding, but, I'll um, eat. I, yeah, oh, pudding for sure. Pudding, for sure. I'll That's eat. That's it. Yeah. I was also, I remember the technology of the Jello pop. That was like cut. I remember like kids would just ball them like, my mom just bought a box of Jello pops. And whoa, it must be nice to be rich. I'm eating frozen Kool-Aid over here out of a plastic sleeve. <laughs> You've got a Jello pudding pop. And no, I will not do the voice. Oh, gosh. Fancy. Very fancy back then, right? That's the expensive stuff when it's the Jello pops. That's hilarious. Absolutely. The chocolate, yeah. white, or the, the mixture of the two. Well, the white, uh, yeah, it's the white was how vanilla. Long. I should say that properly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The off-brands. I remember thinking that, like, uh, like if you didn't get Oreos and you got Hydrox, which really isn't an off-brand, but it just felt like, why are we getting this? Um, that was always the sad sign, or the um, cereal that doesn't come in the box. Oh, dude, you know, we didn't. <laughs> the Bricky family didn't have one name brand food in the cabinets. Like, right. I ate frosted sheets. Yeah, I never could get the actual <laughs> flakes. Right? Like, I, I, I only knew Tony the Tiger from commercial breaks. Right. I had never had that tiger telling me it was going to be great on my box. I had like a sad, dirty bear, you know, like, uh, and, you know, uh, monkey O's. And you'd just be like a chimpanzee, like kind of the stuff that yeah. they do now at Whole Foods. We're like, this cereal looks like trash. I don't need to see these horrible mascots. Like, give me Lucky. <laughs> give me the tricks, Rabbit. You know, um, give me Snap, Crackle and Pop or, or Fred and yeah. Barney. Like the, the true OGs of the cereal box. They've gotten much better about disguising that now. Like before, it was like a joke. It looked like a movie prop, like, uh, you know, like white packaging with black letters and cereal. It'd be like puffed rice cereal or something like that. So now at least they're trying to make it look like the awful stuff that we pay much more for. And I'm telling you right now, Jared, for whatever reason, there was a draft. I would serve General Mills. I absolutely would. I would go on Cap'n Crunch's boat and I would do whatever I needed to do to keep Crunch Bear Island safe from vicious forces outside. That's right. <laughs> so as we've just we've just scrolled after we ate our delicious dollar ten lunch. Uh, I paid for it because Jared's getting no royalties. HipsterMickey.com available now. As we've yeah. rolled through the hub and we've rolled through Frontier Land. Still wondering about that shooting gallery. How long is that going to be here for? Hmm. The place that I picked next, which is one of the few attractions we're going to get on today, I picked the Mark Twain because Mm -hmm. this is a way to both ride an attraction and stay socially distant. Not the most popular attraction because it's not the most thrilling. So it's normally never like, you know, completely full capacity. But if Disney's doing their job and they will, keeping people socially distant. If I can get a spot on the upper deck mm-hmm. or along one of its side uh, galleys, this is something I could see myself doing multiple times in the day. One, it's a very emotional ride for me. I was raised off of the banks of the Ohio River. I was around steamboats my whole life, and this 
attraction on a good day can choke me up. And I remember taking my dad to Disneyland for Father's Day. A lot of people, their parents take them to Disneyland. I took my dad to Disneyland. And we rode the the steamboat, and he just thought it was so cool to be on a steamship because they're just a big part of growing up on the banks of the Ohio back home in Kentucky. And so I think that the Mark Twain is a really great chance to to get those vibes and to enjoy yourself um, just kind of feeling like you're just taking a boat ride through the rivers of America. Cargo, all passengers aboard. Bowman, cast off bow line. Engine room, ahead three quarters. Howdy, folks. This is your captain speaking. I'd like to welcome you aboard the Mark Twain, Queen of the Riverboats. Our journey today will take us up the rivers of America and into the western frontier. Uh, so if it's the other boat, do you pass? Sailing ship Columbia? Yes. Uh, I try to keep... Different feeling. I, I try yeah. to keep my politics off the show, but I'm really <laughs> anti-pirate. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Send all letters to Adventures in Design. My family um, had a long run-in with pirates, and, you know, just, I'm just not ready to go there yet. I'm, I'm woke, but I'm not right. that woke. A whole nother show. Um, I agree. Uh, I was going to put this on my list as well. I am a little concerned. I think this is one of the rides that actually might be popular uh, during this this time. Um, but I like that it's outside. I like, especially if you go upstairs and you're on the top and it just feels oh, so safer good. and you can kind of get away. Though the top does get pretty crowded depending on how many people they let on there. Um, and I'm sure it will be much lower than a normal normal day. But this is a great one too because I think... This could end up being a very boring list for for people who come and want to like hit all the rides and can I get on you know thirty rides in a, in you know one visit, uh, but this is something definitely uh, our speed where we enjoy seeing everything uh, and depending on where you stand you see everything kind of differently and and it's always kind of a different time of day will make this a different ride. Um, and you bring up a good point and- that we will probably get to ride it at night because normally mm-hmm. it has to shut down thirty minutes before um, Fantasmic so. Right, a, a nighttime or a sunset cruise on the Mark Twain is just a, such a memorable moment. There's um, it feels very Disneyland. Oh yeah, this ride, uh, like in a very old fashioned Mark kind of Twain. <laughs> you are on the old steamship today. Exactly. So I love this. I, I mean, I would definitely ride. This is one of the few rides I think that I would add to my list so that I'd feel safe riding. This is one of the attractions that was here on opening day, and in fact just days before it would open on July 13th, 1955, four days before the park would officially open, Walt and Lillian Disney would have their 30th wedding anniversary on the Mark Twain. 300 guests in Walt's new park hanging out on this boat like to be able to be a a time traveler and to just 
go back into time in a seersucker suit and just be like, I'm friends of Lillian Disney and just get on that boat and see what that moment must have been like. I mean, imagine what people were thinking of Walt's accomplishment that hadn't even been. I mean, Disneyland was a TV show and an idea. And I bet he had so much pride escorting the VIPs down Main Street, past all the construction, taking them out to the rivers of America, which was very different than today. I mean, it didn't have any of the trees. or I mean, it's mm-hmm. this is something that over 65 years has really grown into its own. Yeah, it's one of those rides, too, where it's like... Uh it's the most accurate simulation, right? Like, there's no, there's no like bells and whistles to this thing. This is a boat going around a river. There, it's not like, oh, we're faking it out and it's like an adventure or something, and something goes terribly wrong. You know, it's just this lovely, charming um, thing that I think we're we're sort of we're losing a lot of that ambiance in, in the park. I think even something like Jungle Cruise is sort of a comical. I like, guess they're just gonna monkey around. <laughs> the jokiness of it but this thing is just it just is and, and i love that that's all that it is but i would say i would love it if one of the things they could do at night would be like since we're not doing phantasmic and we're not doing shows per se and everything hand out those little streamer things to people and just play that music when we go around that oh. man, the fan <laughs> and then we get to do that and that's a little entertainment for the people on the sidewalk there that is the best thing you've ever said if i got <laughs> to be on that boat dun, 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 Man, yep. I would. My little streamer would be going a mile a minute. To be like, Look at that tattoo guy with the bad red beard. He's just going to rip his arm off. Wouldn't that be fun though? Like oh. they have a oh, you know, excited cast member there that's like, okay, guys, here we go. You know what? You know when it hits this, yeah. let's all do it. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. I mean, I love Fantasmic, and I, I look forward to the shows coming back. But yeah, being able to to do that for the people on mm-hmm. the shores, or just if like, imagine you know. They shut the boat down at like 9 or 10 o'clock. Nobody thinks anything about it. And then around 10, 15, it just does one cruise and that's just happening. Just yeah. catching something like that off the cuff would just be, oh my Lord, what a what a celebration to find. Man, oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it was even putting like a Steamboat Willie up there every now and then to, to man the ship or something. Oh. You know, just anything to kind of make that another place for people to go if, if a lot of these attractions aren't going to be able to come back. Once in 1995, there was a couple that was able to get this boat for their wedding. And hmm. they did their wedding on it. And uh, as they circled around, they did their vowels up up on the top level. And they got to pull the actual horn for the just married. And then a big banner fell off the back of the boat that said just married as it turned around uh, the, the bend there. And wow. I mean... It would be amazing to get married or to be at a wedding on the Mark Twain. But once again, if I was just, oh, you can't get on the boat. We're having a special ceremony. And you saw two people getting married and you saw that banner fall off the back. I mean, full on magic tears. Yeah, for sure. I wonder how many people they had for that. Like, that must be crazy. I don't know. Because I'd be like, you could almost reserve a floor for them you know like let a general public on there and then just let them have the top or something like that so that there's this crowd and cheering and stuff like that i remember interesting during galaxy's edge shutdowns when we only had half a river and mm-hmm. props to disney for just closing the back side of the river and still leaving water in the front as long as they could for a while the boat was just like a place where you could go and eat and you could also mm-hmm. meet uh, princess and the frog out on the boat and it was just like yeah it 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 was very mixed use but when you look at the real real old original park day footage of 
Miles Davis playing on this vessel or Mm -hmm. a a jazz band and and singing and dancing. I mean, this was one of the stages for date night at Bricky Land. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of that this is just a basic, it's just a boat. There's, yep. Like you said, there's, we don't get hijacked. It doesn't almost sink. We don't have to, you know, look out for pirates to try to, like, take our boat from us. I love it's just that, you know, a kid can be in the wonder of being on a boat and not have to think about there being a track underneath it. But a couple can get engaged on it or have a, a magical moment. So this is one that I look forward to. But another one on my list is, if, if you don't mind, if we... Come over here to starboard side. I don't know. I don't know both sides. Um, <laughs> we come over to this side where we're passing by right now is one of my favorite spots to sit and hang out, which is Fowler's Harbor. Mm. And what I love about Fowler's Harbor, which is on the out, outer banks of the rivers of America, if you were to get off of the haunted mansion and just keep walking till you couldn't walk anymore, you'd go on this little trailway. Um, and there's maybe... You know, before social distancing, uh, maybe eight, ten tables back there. The trees are overgrown. Mm-hmm. There's normally ducks begging for stuff. But once you go on the other side of the restaurant and you're over where they dry dock the um, sailing ship Columbia, you really get off the beaten path. The, mm-hmm. the volume goes down, the crowds go down, and it's just such a quiet spot. So once again... If you just want to get away and you want to be from away from everybody else, maybe you have to do the Mark Twain. You just grab yourself a beverage, you sit over here in the corner and just kind of soak in the vibes. And, you know, this is called Fowler's Harbor, which is named after Admiral Joe Fowler, who basically Walt knew that he would need a heavy hand. He's the dreamer. Roy's the money guy, but he would need a heavy hand to get the park built. So he got an old navalman that had been in charge of building boats for the Navy who had just retired and was building track homes up in the parts of California where you're from originally. Mm-hmm. And he, he brought a Navy guy down and just said, you're going to help build this. And he was a military guy and he got results, got things done. And he really, if if Admiral Fowler is credited with anything, Jared, it's that he really planted in the mind of Walt, who was building a park with a bunch of people that have built theater sets, it's like, are you building a city or are you building a stage show? Because if we build it like a city, it'll last 100 years. If you build mm-hmm. it like a stage show, it'll last 10 or 15. And right. one of the things that Walt was so furious that Joe put money into is like, if you're going to have a boat going through a river and multiple boats eventually, you're going to have to have a dry dock. So Walt gave up, said, sure, whatever, Joe, you can have this. And he referred to it as Joe's little ditch. And so (laughs) Joe's Ditch is where we're at, but it would get named after the man who basically would build Disneyland. And then if you go out to our our sister park on the East Coast, uh, one of the boats that will take you across the seven seas is named Admiral Joe Fowler after him Mm. as well. And getting back to our original story about Walt and Lillian getting the boat ready four days before the park would open for their 30th anniversary, um, there's a great wise tale of Admiral Joe came up to make sure the boat was in tip-top shape for all the guests, and he saw Lillian out there just sweeping off the deck, so he grabbed a broom, and just the two of them were sweeping off the deck, getting it ready for its guest. And I just, I love those old-timey fables of, like, you know, Disneyland royalty rolling up their sleeves and just like, somebody's got to sweep this deck off, see, and old Joe's not above it. 
<laughs> yes, those times seem to be gone, right? It would almost be now it'd be like a liability. Like somebody go grab that broom. He can't he can't be up there. Like <laughs> uh, go Ch- take care of it. Chippy can touch the broom. That goes against our union. No, 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 no. Iger, put the broom down and we're gonna have a union dispute. Exactly, exactly. But yes, I love that. Like, again, that's the one thing about Disneyland I wish I was around for any of that time when Walt existed uh, with the park. And it's a, such a short window in the overall history of it. But, you know, uh, it seems like it seems like a mix because that was a different time. He could he could probably walk through the park and well, people would approach him or there was a, a respect or a distance or, or if they said no, like that was enough. You know, like it could not happen in today's world that um, Walt would walk through the park no. or check things out or like I'm going to ride this thing um, so it's too bad to, to live there I mean obviously very different times I don't know if I'd want to live in those late 50s early 60s but uh, as far as Disneyland goes wow that would be just amazing even if you could just know that I'm going to go to the opening of Small World and he's going to be there um, just to be able to witness that um, would be phenomenal he used to love signing autographs and handing out cards and being Mm -hmm. a part of things. And there's even stories of him putting on a hat and sort of dressing down and he would just stand in line. Like he was a regular person just to hear what people were saying. I mean, that's the old school version of reading the comment section. Yeah. I would love for them to do like a, can you imagine like you take that, those old fantastic world of Disney shows and you just know in another alternate timeline where he's still alive to see what that special would look like to say we're opening galaxy's edge you know the kids love the star wars and we love the star wars too and tonight we're going to take you to a galaxy far far away. you know like oh. it would be so fantastic to see how they would frame that in the in the structure of that show just him in the beginning with the little model and goes since the beginning of time man's often yeah. dream of going to space but oh, <laughs> this space was so far away and so long ago. Let's see what happens when we go to the edge of a galaxy. You know what I mean? Like it that delivery be, of oh, his? Yeah, that kind of corny writing yeah. that he sold so well. Yeah. Uh, and, and can you imagine everyone be falling over themselves for, for Galaxy's Edge? There wouldn't be this debate about, well, I don't know if it's good or not. You know, it's like, oh, Walt's endorsing it. It's Walt's thing. Oh, man. When you and I did the episode about Fantasyland um, 83 mm-hmm. and the facades, um, I, I had mentioned that I thought that if Walt could come back and see his park, Fantasyland yeah. 83 would probably be the thing that would impress him the most. And then yeah, me and some listeners were joking in the, the comment section over at Disneyland for Designers on Instagram. And I said, but um, but then we'd have to put a pot of coffee on, but now let me explain to you what a Star Wars is. You know, because <laughs> his mind would be blown when he walked through those tunnels and he goes, this is a do what, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting, though, because George Lucas did bring Star Wars to Disney and they passed. Um, so I wonder if it, that would have been different it, or, you know, and how would that have altered the course of Star Wars anyway? If Walt would have agreed or something and said, but here's what we need it to look like or something like that. But just to, to think of those people all existing in the same time world, like Henson, Lucas and, and Disney. Oh, man, I think we just that would have been amazing. I hope that those people are around now. We're just not completely aware of who they are and what their bodies of work are Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah true well as we've done our circle around the rivers of america and it's always so nice just getting on the backside and you know i i I hate to be a broken record people but no matter what your opinion of galaxy's edge is you can't fight me on galaxy's edge made rivers of america 
so many times better than what it was. I mean, the backside of this boat ride used to really kind of get into like, all right, now we're just kind of cruising through some woods with little to no propping. It, it, it felt a lot like some links of the Disneyland Paris Railroad. We're just like, all right, so now we're just riding through woods at this point. But now the Rivers of America with the waterfalls, with the new native village, like it's so great. And mm-hmm. uh, this is something I'm really, really looking forward to doing. But as we've deboated and we're walking mm-hmm. along the Rivers of America, and we're walking through the Fowler's Harbor area. I want to know why you picked our next destination, which is formerly part of Bear Country, now Critter Country, once known mm-hmm. as the old Golden Bear Lodge. Why do you want to hang out today at Hungry Bear Restaurant? And how many times are we going to eat today? Oh, uh, countless. That's all we're going to do probably is eat because most of it's outside. Um, Hungry Bear Restaurant always has an interesting funnel cake. So that's why I'm going to pick this place. <laughs> um, they have the standard, which is very good. And then they have a seasonal one. But again, like Plaza Inn, you can sit outside and it's pretty breezy. You know, it doesn't feel like stale air. You yep. got fresh air. You got the view of the of the river. And when that boat comes around, there's no better view than being up there and, and seeing it. Um, and again, I think there's enough room there because it really goes way far back. And, and people don't tend to go back there. I don't know if they are more now that uh, Galaxy's Edge sort of exits that way um, massive but yeah but you can get back there and there just seems like there's a lot more space and, and it feels open and yet it, it is covered there too so if you wanted to be underneath something and escape the sun or rain or whatever it's a good place to go but uh, it's a place i kind of end up no matter what yeah. with disney uh, and so i'm happy to visit there and again it's a great it's a great view just great location in the park too the deck couldn't be any bigger People mm-hmm. often un, uh, overlook the lower level, like the, the ground level seating. Um, I like really going, if you can go as far back as you can possibly go, mm-hmm. you get in this really cool pinch point of Disneyland where to your left, you're going to have the Disneyland Railroad going past you. And to your right, you're going to see Sailing Ship Columbia and the Mark Twain doing laps around you. So mm-hmm. you can almost just get out in the middle of this like peninsula of the park where you've just got fun stuff happening on both sides of you. And, you know, if you're not surrounded by people, I mean, this is a location where they also do cold brew coffee here. And they normally have like a standard cold brew coffee. And then much like your your funnel cake, they'll have a seasonal one. The last one was like a snickerdoodle. Mm-hmm. It was a little insane. And yeah. you could just literally, if you just wanted to get away, you could sit here soak up the sounds of the railroad, the boats going by. Just, I mean, you don't feel like you're in Anaheim when you're sitting here in the woods. Right. No, exactly. And then there's a bathroom downstairs. um, And it's a, for some reason, I've always ended up here at some point. I don't know if it's just because it's so transitional. Like, it almost feels like you come to the end of the park that way. Used to and be. So this would be like, yeah, before you go into Galaxy's Edge now, or if you're going to go to Winnie the Pooh, or you're waiting for somebody to come off something else, I somehow always end up at, at this spot. And it it seems cooler right here. I don't know if it's because it's right on the river like that, and it's all sh- kind of shady. It seems like it's always shady over there. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a great like resting place. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed the moments that I've taken here to, like you just said, recharge my batteries and after Mm -hmm. our epic galaxy's edge run this is exactly where you and i came just to sort of like yeah it was awesome 
you remember when that happened? And we, we, we did this, we did that. Like, this is such a good place to, like, kind of default back to zero, right? After yeah. uh, needing a little energy charge. I'm interested to see what happens to Critter Country. With a lot of people looking at this moment in time to call in the questionability of Splash Mountain. Um, Bear Country, to me, always kind of felt like a nod to Americana and sort of a way to put, like, you know, the country music vibes in the Disneyland, which was a big part of the culture in the time period that it was built. But more and more, I, I see this little part of the park feeling a little, like, culturally dated and not, like, in, you know, the the, the big conversation that people are having today. It's just, like... A critter country or a bear country, sort of like a, a rural corner of Disneyland. It just, it, it feels a beat off. It feels a little odd. I mean, I enjoy it because I'm from kind of this part of the country, you know, the Kentucky area. But I'm just curious if this will always stay this way because I feel like if there's ever a spot that could shift one way or another and with it being on its edge, I feel like this is the area that might be prime for a retheme. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? This is a conversation that's happening right now, like crazy. Do you have any uh, thoughts about what it should be rethemed to? Uh, or yes, just yes. Yeah, okay, I, I did a video for this. It, it's over on my uh, Twitch stream. But to sort of summarize a very long video that I did, where I was talking to my community over on Twitch, I live stream Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Disneyland time. Um, and I do talk about Disney often over there, but not exclusively. And it's a little bit of a different tone than this show. It's a little bit more critical, a little bit more looking at it because this show is all about positivity. I I was thinking that a lot of fans want Splash Mountain to become Princess and the Frog. And I think that that's mm. sort of, that's given Princess and the Frog an attraction that's already tied in with something that people have a weird feeling about. So mm-hmm. I said a better way, I believe, to clear the slate is let's go Critter Country full on Critter Country and have it be a celebration of the critters of Disney. And, you know, when we talk about giving um, black people an attraction at Disneyland that, that is theirs, I love the idea of the Avengers e-ticket being a flight to Wakanda and being about Black Panther. Like, a new attraction that has no weird history. From the ground up, it was always mm-hmm. meant to be a celebration of the warriors of Wakanda and their technology. I love that storyline. It can't happen fast enough. But as far as taking Splash Mountain and retheming it, my idea would be it's a really big ride. It has lots and lots of different pockets. Mm-hmm. When we get right out of the gate, let's go through a Fox and the Hound set. Then our next set of vignettes, let's go through the, the Robin Hood. Uh, let's end it up into uh, a jungle book. Like, let's literally tie together these movies that all have that same sort of matte finish, dull color finish to them from that era where all the characters are kind of. All the animals are kind of drawn the, the Disney way, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. just making Critter Country about critters would just sort of take this ride had an original questionable beginning and now it's it's apolitical and it's just its own thing. And I do believe that there should be all kinds of attractions for all kinds of different people. You can go see my review of Magic Happens and how excited I was that this is a parade that reflects the people that stand on Main Street. But I think if you really want to give people their voice, give them a new attraction from flat earth, concrete up. And and don't take something that has a tarnished history and 
rebranded as an apology. So that's my opinion. I give away more in-depth opinion on my video, but to summarize mm-hmm. it, I just feel like if we're going to call this Critter Country, let's just make it about critters. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Princess and the Frog, which I I, I kind of get that why why people are, are leaning that way for so many reasons, but it would sort of extend uh, New Orleans Square, right? Because yeah. then it would become part of that True. type of storytelling. Um, but that would leave Critter Country just Winnie the Pooh, and, and that doesn't really make sense. So I do feel like it should maintain a critter thing, and I agree with your uh, your thought about it being like if Princess and the Frog is going to get an attraction, then let's give it an attraction. Don't don't use it in this way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no great solutions there. I, I would love that kind of thing where it's vignettes and it's different characters. I don't know that they would do that, um, but I would love for something like that. This ride, the the, the appeal of this ride is the drop. Uh, and so I feel 100%. like they can do whatever they want and they can kind of dress this up however they want. Um, and it'll be it'll be fine, whatever it is. But I agree with you with the, with the route that they should probably take is something, something different. Yeah, I just... I... It feels like a band-aid and apologetic, and I don't think that that's how you want your your attraction to be. And I and you know I did a ride through with people over on my Twitch stream, and and we we went through a video and we looked at all the different various vignettes, and I just feel like you know there was that moment um, where Disney was making a lot of movies about animals, giving them like hyper personalities, and like a lot of the reason why I feel the way I do about animals is from watching all those films when I was a kid. So that mm-hmm. that to me would be the workaround. But these are the type of conversations that I love that we have when we go to Disneyland and we sit on a balcony like this for hours and hours on end, just yes. sort of sitting in it and talking about it and consuming it. Like, I love that we come to the park and spend so much time just doing this show basically to each other and just talking about the park. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always fun. I, I think it, it's, it's a certain type of... A conversation though too like I, you know i've been lucky to meet a few imagineers and things like that and to hear those conversations it is it is more similar to what we'll talk about than i think what most people will discuss about the park um, and, and, but to have that insight and that where they can sort of drop these weird stories about it oh it's just fantastic yeah. i just absolutely love it it's like living in a dvd bonus feature you know <laughs> where they they kind of talk oh we had a problem with this thing and, and you know that's why we do it like this and that i just it's amazing how much i love that stuff and i love disney animation the characters and all that stuff but just hearing that i'd almost rather hear these imagineering stories than i would writing the attraction you know i, I find that so much more interesting and, and like um that to me is the heart of uh, of disneyland for me it's sort of that that aspect of it the making of it is as, as much fun to me as experiencing the thing well it's an amazing accomplishment to go against time budget uh, what i love about disneyland so much is the lack of land like literally all of the constraints of disneyland is what makes it amazing and part of the reason why i'm not a big fan of world is it just doesn't seem as difficult you know they have mm. an entire city to build whatever they want wherever they want and as a designer there's just something about like you know with galaxy's edge where we're on our way to right now they had a pocket they had this odd shaped pocket and it had to blend in with rivers of america it, it had to have these set entry and exit points and i love that kind of that's why i became a designer i love real world problem solving and disneyland offers so many problems to imagineering over and over and over again and so i just look at the political climate i look at the current social vi- environment of a pandemic and 
political unrest and, and, and all these different things that are happening. These are just challenges that this park was designed for. And it will always mm-hmm. rise. It won't always get it right, but it will always arise to the occasion and try to do better. And, you know, there's troubled history in Disneyland and it's done its best to do as well as it can. And there was once when boys can't fast dance with each other. Boys can't dance fast dance with each other at Videopolis. And mm-hmm. now we have a park that sells rainbow merchandise and, and has pride days or, or, or gay days at it. So, I mean, you know, society and Disneyland are tethered together as a work in progress. And seeing that progress happen, there's a real pride there. I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the, the, the this thing was built in 1955. Uh, and what what else is so prominently in our lives that was built in 1955? It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it would just collapse under the, the pressure of time or just become a completely different thing. So, of course, it has to change and adapt to the times. And it's done, I think, as well as a, a something this big can, can do. Um, and I think it even gets a little leeway because so much of it is based on nostalgia. And that sort of, you know, makes everything kind of okayer. But eventually that runs out too. And I think we're kind of seeing that uh, in these times now. I will say about World, though, uh, I agree with you with World, specifically in the comparison of Disneyland to, to the Magic Kingdom. But if you do Epcot or if you do um, Animal Kingdom, is a beautiful park. And it has uh, the same kind of challenges of Disneyland, but in a different way. They're very different challenges, but it's the same kind of thing that they're overcoming. I think you'd love that park and seeing how they played out all these different themes across different lands and worked in this sort of hiding the animals and hiding structures. It's the same kind of ingenuity that I think goes into how tightly Disneyland is designed. Well, look, famous artist friend. Yeah. Next time you go out there to, to sign uh, Cool Guy Mickey for four days yeah. and you say, uh, hey, Bricky, Disney's giving me a hotel room for four days. You want to sleep on my floor? The answer is, <laughs> well, yes, I do. The answer is, I thought you'd never ask. I, awesome. I want to go out there. I want to do it. I also, I think that there's a lot of people that have bought into my love of Disney and my storytelling of Disney that would be very, very curious to see what I think of Disney World, considering I haven't been there as a super fan yet. Yeah, um, right. I, I will be, I will be blown away to to go there and do it and, and to enjoy it. So as we get to this building, this pinch point. In the middle mm-hmm. of the Black Spire Outpost. It's funny. People use Batu way more than they use Black Spire Outpost. I think the, the so there's like seven names, right, for the <laughs> Galaxy's Edge, Batu, yeah. Black Spire Outpost. But as we get to this area, this 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 docking bay seven, as they call it, and we see the three cargo boxes above us, number mm-hmm. 77, 80, and 83. I think nice. you don't have to be a genius to know what those three years stand for. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to sit here on our favorite little patio dock? And you also give an alternative yes. of sitting next to Docking Bay 7 or next to Docking Bay 9, which mm-hmm. is the other Docking Bay area next to Kylo Ren's ship. So... I love this spot because we talked about this before several times. This is just a great spot to sit and take in all of Galaxy's Edge. So going on, you know, going into this section of the park, which I love, um, I'm probably not going to do a ride. I wouldn't wait in line for Falcon, and I probably wouldn't go through the fuss of boarding passes if that's even what the situation is. I, I kind of doubt it. It is. Um, 
but you can sit here, you can take it all in, I can see that falcon, I can see the hustle and bustle, you're right by the stores, you're right by the food, all of that stuff. It's just a great spot in general. It does get a little crowded. Um, it can get a little busy over here. Usually people are in a rush to get down there or they're on the ledge taking photos over the ledge. Um, so it's usually kind of like that. But if it was too crowded, then I'd say go over to Kylo's ship because that's a huge open area and no one's over there ever. Um, so that that's a kind of a safe spot. But again, there's nothing to kind of do there or feel there other than Kylo's ship, which is cool. They do some show elements. Uh, the milk stand is right there oh, as well. Sign me or up. Or that shop. Yeah, the shop is great too, but again, you're not really... That's probably the most merchandise of the shops, I'd probably say. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's but, for the first order, and they're just all about money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, formalized merchandise and all that stuff. So, But I think if we can go to that spot where we always go, that'd be great. That's, that's where I always want to go take it in. Of course, we'd walk in through that Hungry Bear way, take in everything as we get there. But if I'm going to stop and sit somewhere, that's probably where I'm going to do it. I would probably even avoid Savvy's Workshop or the other stores that I do like um, because... Um, just because they're kind of tight. Everything's very tight in that shopping area. So I'd probably want to stay away from that and just go right over to more of an open air section. Well, speaking of open air section, there's these picnic tables that we love sitting at on, on the mm-hmm. outside of Docking Bay 7. And it's cool that they put these tables here because they could have just kept for the seating that's in the official patio. And, right. and I do love the outside of this patio, the, the sort of the fence or wall around mm-hmm. it. I love that it's like a war battle like de- deteriorating building and you can see the window yeah. frames sort of blasted out. I love that sort of storytelling. But if we go over to Ronto's Roasters, there's those little tables that sort of look out on that ledge where you can really mm-hmm. do some good people watching. And then if you follow what looks to be sort of a villager's like pipeline, you know, it's the pipes are sitting out above the dirt and they sort of do this down step down. There's a couple of tables down at the bottom that nobody mm-hmm. ever really kind of notices there's a table there unless somebody's sitting there. And if social distancing is done correctly and there's only one table at the bottom, you could kind of sit down there. The way that the landscaping is, everybody would already be six to eight feet from you. And you would literally just feel like you were sitting in a bubble and just watching people come and go from, you know, the edge of the scrapyard, coming down the stairs from docking bay, people that are coming and going on the thoroughfare that leads down to the the resistance like uh, anywhere around here that you could find a little wall or a table to sit at this would be a really good place to just like sit feel the sun on your skin take in some good vibes and just kind of see a stormtrooper or or maybe a wookie pass by at, at any given mm-hmm. moment again all of these things on our list and i'm sure yours too it, it, it's atmosphere it's experiencing the atmosphere and that is exactly what that is the drug i am missing yep um, it's not about oh i gotta get on space mountain or i gotta you know do matterhorn or something like that it's not that it is the smells is it the sounds it's just seeing everything and again it will be sort of tainted on this time because we're looking at it under this you know through a mask <laughs> and seeing like oh look they put line things down there or, or um, look how they did that over there you know like I, i'd be very curious to see that in star wars land and, and how that's playing out but um still I, that's that's really what i'm going for it, and that's where it almost feels like you're uh, like an employee like you have some vested interest yeah. in this because you kind of want to see what's the vibe what is it feeling like you know is it has it changed the overall feeling of the park for me seeing it uh, under these conditions well and that's why i wanted to 
to do this show and to sort of give this guide to people. And, you know, I've been explaining to people, people are like, so, Ricky, you're not going anywhere, like, socially, when are you going to go back to Disneyland? I'm like, day one. And they're like, yeah. really? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but let me explain to you what I'm going to do when I go there. It's really no different than going to the park around the corner, because I live on the beach. Mm-hmm. I ride my bike on the beach. I go by hundreds of people jogging, walking dogs, roller skating on their bikes. So, you know, at least at Disneyland, the face mask will be required uh, ages mm-hmm. two and up. And I feel like there are these little pockets where because we have the passes that we have and the flexibility, like I've, I plan on going there on day one and trying to do open to close and just chilling in all these spots and, and moving around. But when you put this on the list, I was just so excited for it because this land one year ago when it opened and we did a whole episode about it, it was just such a great gift to get 14 more acres of the thing that you love and to get that new, new, that shiny new, new, right? Like it was such an amazing gift. And I have to say you and I, fully took advantage of that gift we did not go to the park once without being like uh yeah so if we could all wrap up dinner at this exclusive Mm -hmm. restaurant we would like to go take a lap over at galaxy's edge before we leave tonight (laughs) right right yeah absolutely absolutely timing is just crazy on this for star wars land but um yeah no i think uh it to me it's just it's part of the park that I would not miss. I don't think I would ever go to the park and not at least walk through here once. Um, so for that to be a brand new land and being so substantial that you can say walk through here, you know, it's not like if this were just a ride, we wouldn't walk over to the ride every time no, to see it. You know, no. we'd be like, yeah, it's the ride and we're not riding it this time. So um, it, it's great that they've added a, a place to stop in the park and not just an attraction Based thing. And, and part of what is so smart about this area is this is like the town square, right? This is where the actual Black Spire is at next to the mm-hmm. uh, dock shop. You have the the bazaar, you know, the merchant's row leaning mm-hmm. into this restaurant. You have the, the spaceport. You have dock shop. You have the scrap. Like, this is the Times Square of Batu, right? Like, mm-hmm. every little town has its 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 city center where that's kind of like where everything started and then the businesses and the homes just moved out from that spot. So Disney, smart, Imagineering smartly, putting all these seats around here and co- purposely congesting this area, when you start out on the resistance end or you start out over on the um, first order end, it's loose. And as you work your way to the city center, it gets more and more condensed, which is using mm-hmm. us as part of the storytelling and that's not lost on me i love that when you sit here you feel like you're hanging out in downtown uh black spire or, or in this like village of batu and it's it's just amazing that everybody off planet comes here and hangs out bright suns let's go right now i'm ready absolutely i mean i'm and there then right they, now when they when they do the fireworks oh just the best so our star wars night that you and i have tickets for yes did get canceled yes and yes. I had, like, an aneurysm when I found out, like, oh, wait, 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 park's back open and we still have tickets. I thought for a minute this might be back on. And then once Celebration got canceled, this got canceled. Yeah. I was so eagerly, that night I wanted to see Galaxy's Edge with everybody costume. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see what kind of fireworks they were going to put together for us for a Star Wars themed fireworks show. I was so looking forward to those two details. I guess we'll just have to wait. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're going to roll out a bunch of stuff, and they'll probably just get bigger as the years go on. This year does not count for anything, nope. um, and, and maybe a couple years, right? Uh, but I think that's just going to become a regular thing, and I can't wait to see what that turns into. So as we're walking at the very edge of town, and we've just gone past Docking Bay 9 and Kylo's little cute ship, mm-hmm. and we're going up this windy road here, Fantasyland exit, as I like to call it, because it kind of, even though it looks frontier land-ish, yeah. it drops you off right at the edge of, we go left, we go Fantasyland, we go right, we go over to Frontierland. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go left because I am fascinated, fascinated that you said where you feel safe, guy who's waiting a month to go to the park, mm-hmm. Peter Pan, mm-hmm. Alice, <laughs> Pinocchio, Have you gone mad, sir? Yes, absolutely. Here's what I like about this. You are not in a cart with other people. You will probably be only riding with your party. Yes. Uh, You know, either by yourself or just with the people who happen to be with you. You're not in a cart of eight other people or 12 other people. Smart. I'm assuming the queue is going to be addressed. We're not going to be in that normal Peter Pan queue. No, no way. Take that off the table. And that's why I just assumed that would be Snow White's not on here only because it's down and depending on when that comes up. But those dark rides in general where you're the it's just your party in the in the cart, those are the rides that I'm gonna be looking to. So something like small world, too many people, too close. Right. Even if you're a bench apart, that still feels too close and uh, indoor ride and all that stuff. So yeah, I think this is these are the only rides probably that I'd really wanna wanna do. That is such a smart way to look at it because if they do a boarding group system mm-hmm socially distant lines this might be one of the best times ever to try to ride peter pan yeah yeah i mean you might know right away if you're going to get on right right so sure. it's like you don't waste your time but yeah, yeah, yeah i think i think this might that's why again i think these things are going to have these weird ripple effects that when things do turn back into normal you know things might not go away right away or or just like oh this is an interesting way to do it now people are sort of adjusted to this philosophy of line waiting so i think uh, we could see some permanent changes out of this oh i i firmly believe that 2020 will redefine a lot of things at disneyland there will be some things mm-hmm. that we'll never see again there will right. be some new adaptations from this moment like Every business right now is reevaluating the way that they do business and things that work will stay and mm-hmm. and things that were already troublesome will go away. And I, I firm believe that in the 100 year storytelling of Disneyland, there's a whole chapter about during the golden age of Disneyland, everything was going according to plan and Galaxy's Edge just re- released its monumental Rise of the Resistance. And then the pandemic happened. And I think it will be a whole a whole different thing that we're living through and sort of the test subjects on, on how all of this comes together and, and finds its way through. You picking these rides is really, really smart. I, I wasn't seeing it that way. And I'd actually thought mm. about this riddle for a day. I'm like, why is this on his list? But now that you say it, they're quick. You're in and out. You're in your own cart. You can touch the handlebar, but you can also use the hand sanding when you get off. Like, mm-hmm. this would be a really good way to, you know, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to do yeah. one of these and, and yeah. get a little hit off the magic. That is really, really smart. What I picked over in this area, once again, going with um, 
chilling out, hanging out, kind of watching the world go by. Yeah. I said Small World Mall, the okay. the area up above where the parade route is that you want to turn into a coffee shop. <laughs> I said either the Small World Mall area because we can listen to the theme song, which I'm pro. Some people are con. I'm very pro that. We can yeah. watch the clock celebrate. We can watch people kind of come and go, families come and go. You know, this is a big kid spot. You can see kids having a fun time with their ears on, balloons and stuff. Um, or if you want to go a little bit more secluded, you can grab a meal or or have a little snack on on your on your person and go mm-hmm. over to the um, Fantasia Gardens, the old motorboat cruise dock. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll always look at it as the um, motorboat cruise to Gummy Glen. Because I'm a big Gummy mm-hmm. Bears fan. Of course. Hey, Jared, do you know this? Gummy Bears. Oh, geez. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. High <laughs> adventure that's beyond despair. They are the Gummy Bears. Fantastic. Wonderful. Wiping a tear away. You love snacks. You love I do. cute things. I, do. I just that's sang right. to you Gummy Bears. You, you should, that should be one of your top 10 life moments. Oh, okay. I'll put that down on the next show. We'll do my top 10 life moments. Uh, yes, I, I consider this spot too. It's a, it's one of those um, small spots. And again, it depends on what time of day or what's happening. If it gets crowded, you're kind of stuck in that that boat launching bay, you know. And it used to be a smoking section. I know it's not anymore. Um, I still smoke but that here. Made, yeah, <laughs> that made it kind of awful for a while there. But um, yeah, I almost put this one there too, but you can't see as much. It's great uh, like at, for Small World during the holidays, but we, sure. you can see it very clearly there and stuff like that. But otherwise, it feels a little off the beaten path. So it's a, like we said before, with the quiet spaces, it's a nice place to relax if you want to get away from it. But since I'm not doing any attractions, I'm looking for places where I can still have a view of everything. See it all so I think that's you. why. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like sitting out on the uh, Fantasia Gardens because I like watching the monorail go by, and I mm-hmm. I, I like being out by that water area. I, I love when it's so secluded that it kind of doesn't feel like Disneyland. But yeah, if you were to go on a sort of a slow walking tour and mm-hmm. do each of these destinations for a little bit, I think it, I think it would be fun. And the Small World does give you a little bit more action. But yeah, you, you did a good job of picking restaurants maybe on the busier thoroughfares and. Who knows? Like, all of these places could just be vacant because it's a mm-hmm. it's people that are there to crush rides, and the ride lines are going to be the shortest that they've ever been. I mean, basically, it's going to be like being on your own VIP tour with with audiences that small. So maybe these places are completely empty, or or maybe they're crowded because people are doing what we're doing. I mean, once again, as you've said before, it's sort of that oddity of what's going to happen. Like, what mm-hmm. what is this going to be like? Uh, I think sitting here would, would be fun any time of day. I like being over here, yeah. but my next one that I have on my list is if you don't mind, let's, let's walk over this way to where in 1993, we were given Mickey's Toontown train depot, which mm. before that beginning in 85 was the Videopolis train station. Mm-hmm. But then Back in the 60s, there was 20 years where you couldn't get on a train in the Fantasyland area. The original train sat right on the far side of where It's a Small World is. But when It's a Small World came, the uh, original Fantasyland Depot goes away. 
for 20 years, there's no place. But then they mm. build the Videopolis one, which then gets themed in the Toontown. So it's there's an interesting story of where that that train station was at. But I like the, the way it is now because this train station that we're getting on feels like it's the proper space from the Tomorrowland station. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a short trip actually though to the <laughs> to that Tomorrowland station there. So, are you picking this area as a place to hang out or to get on the train? Are you picking the train as the attraction? Dog, we're getting on the train. Okay. We're gonna ride this train, and we're gonna do a loop around Walt's original Magic Kingdom because the train is a very great socially distant attraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're only indoors minimally. Yep. I'm sure they're going to have these spaced out to where you're not sitting on top of each other. Right. And I'm going to suggest try to sit in the first cart behind the conductor. Yes. That I way, agree. all the droplets are not flying in your face. Because if you're, you know, if you if you're like, hey, Bricky, today's the day you get to ride the Lily Bell. Not interested. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to try to get front so I don't have all the other particles droplets going in my face but i do see myself getting on the train and just maybe doing endless laps just yeah, yeah if it's yeah. distance properly i'm gonna get on the train and just circle the park and i look forward to that so much your attention please the disneyland limited now arriving from a trip around walt disney's magic kingdom Passengers will stand by to This is the moving um, like uh, spaces that I've been talking about, right? Like this is where you get to get these great views of the park. You get the the, the narration, and you get the, the dinosaurs and all that good stuff. Um, I agree. I, I think this is because I would agree that you'd want to sit to the front. So that's what I'm most paranoid about. Like with these roller coasters and things like that, is people are going to scream and uh, everything. Even with a mask on, I think. You just don't want to be in the you know the backdraft of all that stuff coming back at you, um, and, and that could just be more of a mental thing than it is an actual thing. But that's always been my concern with the um, with the the back to back rides like that, where you're sitting behind uh, other people. Um, so yeah, I would be happy to jump on the train and, and take in all that. That's always a good ride, I mean, just like the riverboat. It's always it's not like just for this thing. It's always a good time. That was the Grand Canyon today. <laughs> This is the Grand Canyon before that. I love those. You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah. Those like weird laser noises that the dinosaurs with the babies make. Um, I look forward to riding on the Disneyland Railroad. Mm-hmm. If the park's packed, I might get off at Tomorrowland and then pick back up at Main Street. But I, I look forward to that because, like you said, it's... It's the moving version of a lot of the other places that we mentioned today. To those joining us, welcome aboard. The next leg of our journey will take us along the rim of the Grand Canyon. It's a mighty long drop to the canyon floor. So for your safety, stay seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the train. Be sure to watch your kids and no flash pictures, please. Para su seguridad, permanezca sentado y mantenga las manos, brazos, pies y piernas dentro del tren y cuide a los pequeños. Por favor, no tome fotografías con flash. 
Grand Canyon as we know it today. But it wasn't always that way. Right now, as we travel back in time, back to the fantastic primeval world, land of the dinosaurs. Now steaming back to our own time and to Main Street Station, gateway to Disneyland. If you'll be leaving us here, stay in your seat till we come to a full stop. And remember to gather all your personal belongings, including the young ones if you got it, and step carefully from the train. I'd especially like to thank those of you who've been with me for the Grand Circle Tour of Disneyland. We surely hope you enjoyed your travels with us and that you'll come back and see us again real soon. For those of you traveling on, we'll be on our way again in just a few minutes. This is Main Street Station, Main Street, USA. So as you and I have rolled on the train now through the Grand Canyon today and yesterday and through the Tomorrowland Station, we end up at your final pick, which is mm. the Main Street Train Depot. And I thought that this mm. was such a great pick. It's one of the most emotional buildings in the park. It's the the coming and going, you know, it's the greeter and the one that says goodbye to you. I want to know, though, why you said Main Street Train Depot. So this one was the first thing I thought of. Uh, this is a great entry point and exit point for the park. Not that you leave through the station, but yeah, uh, if it's the first place you go and the last place you go, I think it's a great way to see the park. I love Main Street, like we talked about so many times on here. It offers, like, one of the best views of the park, uh, um, you know, you get to see the castle, you get to see Main Street, you get to see all of that stuff that's happening down Main Street. Um, it's a great way to take in Main Street without being in the middle of it. We also stood here for the first time. We tried to get our boarding pass. <laughs> so this is where we, where I failed. Go watch the, the video. His pass. little nervous yeah. thumb is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it, this takes in probably my favorite, the most Disneyland place for me too, is, is seeing that Main Street and just... You got Town Square in there. You can save for the flag ceremony if you're at the right time. And it just offers this great view of all these things. And you get a, I think it's one of the few areas where you get the bigger picture where you do see some of the tricks happening with the, you know, with um, the sizing and the relative size and stuff like that. But you get that wider view of absolutely everything, which is great. Because Main Street is nice close up. And when you're in it and it feels very authentic and uh, charming and stuff like that. But back here, you, you get the sense of the park. And they kind of always do these swooping shots from around here, right? right? When they're saying, like, oh, the Disneyland Park in California. Um, and so it's just like, that's the closest I think you can get to that kind of emotional view. And just like it is in Soren when you fly over oh. Disneyland, um, it, that gets me every I time. Clap. So to me, yeah, <laughs> to me, this feels like the standing version of that, where you can get come up and get that that whole view of it. And it feels like a Disneyland postcard or something. Yeah, when, when you get to hang out on the rail up here and watch a parade or, or just people watch, it's when Main Street, because of the height difference and the way that it, mm -hmm. the, the force perspective is a little bit broken because you're at an eye level with it instead of a, a worm's right. eye view. It's when Disneyland looks most like a train village, like a model mm -hmm. town. And, and like the yep. model that Walt just was so happy to lean over and point at stuff with his good old-fashioned point and stick. I need to get a point and stick on this show, but <laughs> this is a really great spot where if they said, um, hey, we can only get you in today 
you can only sit up on the patio of the train station. I'm like, yeah, what's that ticket cost me? I mean, I would give anything to sit here. And you know, before I've, I've joked with security guards at the end of the night, be like, dude, take my phone, take my, my ID, take my car keys. I won't do any hijinks. Just handcuff me to the rail and let me stand (laughs) here all night and watch the floodlights come on. The construction, like, I just want to see people mow the yard at Disneyland. That is such a crazy thing to want to see. But I just want to see that, like, let me see the work lights come on. Let me sit up here. But, yeah, I thought that this was a a really, really great spot because it is one of the, it it is one of the quintessential views of how the park was meant to be seen. And one of the smartest things that they ever did was build the the berm and Mm -hmm. this mound of dirt that we sit on. And I love... That when you go into the Esperanza, that the way that this building's graded, you see the train going around before you've even bought a ticket. And Mm -hmm. you can, from the monorail, really look at this and it looks just like a a toy set sitting out there. So one of the reasons why I'm so excited to go back to downtown Disney on July 9th when it opens, aside from Salt and Straw, is I'm excited just to hopefully walk down here. And just stand here and just be able to see Mm -hmm. this building and look at it. My final pick is this. I'd like to urge anybody that has the pass, that that wants to get away, go to Disneyland and consider doing a Disney bench tour. Maybe take a, a favorite book on tape about Disneyland or maybe listen to episodes of Disneyland for Designer. But if you really wanted to get away... And you don't have anybody to go with you and you feel weird walking around, you feel self-conscious. Literally start on Main Street and just set a timer on your iPhone or your watch and just sit on a different bench for 30 minutes, hour. Take your time and divide it up by the lands, but literally find a place to sit, get in that spot and just hang out there and then move on to the next land. Like the benches, the places to sit around Disneyland, are often overlooked and whenever I've had to wait for people to to meet one of my friends there and I've just been able to like sit and enjoy the park it is mm-hmm. just as beautiful and charming when you're not participating in it than when you are and this is a once in a lifetime moment to see the park this vulnerable sort of resetting its table resetting its expectations and, and guests trying to figure it out that just to be a part of history and to sit on a bench and watch people go by, I'm totally cool with that. They're like, Bricky, this is the orange bracelet. The orange bracelet, you can only sit on benches, but you can only sit on <laughs> one bench for 30 minutes at a time. I'll do it. How much does it cost yeah. me? I would love to just sit on a bench and and move around the land and just kind of see it. And I know that this is a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to go to a Disneyland that's like this. Well, then maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you want to wait till... The reopening is fully figured out and we know where we're yeah. at with things. Or maybe you want to wait till it's, you know, if you're into the crushing new, new, maybe you wait till they figure out the release date for Avengers Campus. But if you're missing the emotions, the sights, the sounds, and more importantly, you just want to get away from what today looks like and feels like. I feel confident that these are 10 places that if you did all 10 of these in one day, that's a really great trip to Disneyland.
Absolutely. I mean, again, we are the unusual ones that tend to do Disneyland like this anyway, so I could see why for some people it's a little hard to understand. But uh, it's a luxury that I'm, I'm happy we're able to partake in. Sure. So as you get ready to go back, uh, and it's coming up fast, and a lot can happen between now and then, are, what, are your, what are your concerns? I know you're not being careless about this. I know you're not being like, oh, I don't care. I'm just jiving in. But obviously the concerns are not enough to keep you from going. What are your concerns then Then going? Um, my concerns just right now in civilization or I, I don't mm-hmm. want to be indoors a lot. Yeah. Um, I recently went to a grocery store for the very first time in mm-hmm. over a hundred days and it was only because I was going to the farmer's market because I had to pick up a delivery and I looked over in our Whole Foods and I go, there's not that many people in there. I, yeah. I, I liked my chances. Um, I think I'm just really worried about being around mass audiences of people. And I'm worried Mm -hmm. about, as everything, you know, Walking Dead eventually was not about the zombies. The real, um, the real enemy was people. And what Mm -hmm. I feel optimistic about Disneyland is they will put people on their best behavior. So even if there was just like a park where I could go here in LA, we're like at this park, we play sick music. We have awesome sounds. And, and food and everybody has to wear a mask I would be apt to go there and for the most part LA is taking it serious Saturday night Beth and I went to one of our favorite restaurants uh, in Santa Monica um, we ordered ahead our food we did a pickup we parked our car over on the ocean there by the pier in Santa Monica and mm-hmm. it's one of the places where I've been where 95% of the people had on face masks yeah so I think for Disneyland you know my biggest fear is just being around irresponsible people that aren't taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Disney can use their power of positivity to enforce these rules. Now, if I go mm-hmm. there and I realize it's that thing where like, you know, that modern age of nobody wants to be the bad guy, you know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to tell somebody not to do something, which is ultimately why I think that incident in Toontown went on about 10 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. If I see that it's that type of situation, and the guests aren't taking it serious, and Disney's not taking the enforcement in serious, I will immediately leave, and I will immediately hit record and be like, don't go. It's a trap. Nobody's taking it seriously. <laughs> um, ultimately, I find that very hard to believe. But, Jared, I will say this. I was really hoping that when... I'm going to try to say this without crying, and seriously. Okay. I was really hoping that when Disneyland announced they were reopening the gates, Mm -hmm. that it would be a true celebration, a return to normalcy. We, Mm -hmm. we hunkered down. We, we, we fought the, 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 the the disease, the virus together. Mm -hmm. Society, we came together. We were all responsible. We worried about each other and America did what it's always did in the face of adversity. We became stronger, we worked together, and, and we made it through this. Mm-hmm. Twelve weeks later, I've never been a part of America that feels more ripped in half, more divided, people questioning science, people questioning health officials. And so Disneyland opening in the middle of what feels like the pinnacle of all this insanity, I wish it was a happier time that it was reopening, and I wish that mm-hmm. I was happier about it reopening and I was happier about it going and the day that it opened up I had a moment of like yeah this is awesome and I went and did a live stream over on YouTube and I was talking to everybody about it 
Mm-hmm. But I think later on that night, it sort of it sort of hit me that you know I just with my day job, I just did 100 podcasts in a row, 100 days in right. a row. I put up an hour's worth of content so my audience wouldn't feel alone during social distancing. And I thought when that 100 days ended, I would feel happier. So I keep reaching these milestones where I was sort of hoping for a better day. And these things are happening and the better days aren't following it. So I am a little a little mm-hmm. sad and a little conflicted that it's not a more happier reopening than what I was hoping for. Yeah, I... I... I would agree with that too. And that's why I was predicting that it would be way off. Like we would not be opening until it's way safe to open. You know, like that Disney would wait, even though everything's open, they're going to wait because they don't want that problem. You know, of people saying like, oh, a breakout because of Disneyland, all that kind of stuff, which is going to happen. But I also kind of see it as like you going the very first day that it opens will be interesting uh, because it won't be right. Right. No. There's gonna, there's going to be some things that they've planned for as best as they can, and they're predicting behaviors, but they're guessing. They don't know how it's going to go, and they can go by what's happening in Shanghai or, or Hong Kong and all these other parks and Florida by that time too. Um, but still, I think there's going to be kinks to work out uh, and, and things. So it's like, it's almost like they have to do this soft open and and then get to the point where like maybe by fall before the next wave hits or whatever that they're in a really good place that that they've got this thing down to a science and this is working and and this is what we can control i I am a little worried that it might be tough out of the gate to get this right and we might get a forced closure again down the line Mm -hmm. um for whatever reasons because this isn't just about the specifics of it it's a much bigger sort of political decision now so i am worried about that kind of stuff the opening and closing of things has me a little worried but i'm hoping that it'll get to a point where even if it does get a little bad which we could probably predict there will be some not great things sure but that it will be manageable and that we'll start to learn like, ah, we thought these were going to be the problems, but these are really the problems. Um, and, and just to see where that comes. So this time next year, are we in just a perfect spot, vaccine or not, and that this can just maintain for a while? Or are we still stuck in this limbo? Because, you know, a simple thing like wearing a mask is just too much for people, which I don't understand. I mean, if putting cloth on your face is too much to ask, I don't know how a vaccine putting a serum in your body is going to I don't yeah. know how that's going to work and, and right. especially one that was rushed to market to be you know the, the savior of a lot of people's political and professional career yeah. so I think there's lots of troubled times ahead which then gets to the point of Disney does need to open their gates they do need to make money Orange County's largest mm-hmm. employer you know it, to us it's a park to some of the people that we know and we're close to, it's the way that they put food on the table for their family. So mm-hmm. it's incredibly confusing, but I, I will say this. One thing that I've really, really thought about over the last couple of weeks of, of turmoil, and I, I thank you for being the constant on this project because I feel like with you and I being good friends and, and signing on to do this together, I feel like I can really have the deep emotional Disneyland conversations with you. And as if I've looked at sort of the, the racial um, topics that have popped up in America, Mm -hmm. one thing that I really love about Disneyland and what has made 2019 my best Disney year ever in 2019, Jared and I really started hanging out with a community at Disneyland. We started meeting Mm -hmm. other guys, our same age and similar interests of 
everybody kind of works for the park at some sort of professional capacity or are like a like a prosumer fan, if you will. Yeah. And what I really enjoyed about last year was having my Disney f- friends, right? Like these are people that we know from going to Disneyland and we have dinner together and we do walks around the park and we talk about mm-hmm. it and we talk about life and it we've still been doing these laps virtually on Zoom right. every couple of weeks, which has been great. But when I really look back at my my Disneyland friend, is the most culturally diverse set of people in my entire life. From mm-hmm. race to sexual identity to economic um, comings and goings, it is a crossroad of people. It is the most diverse bunch of friends that I have in my life. And when I was looking at all of the, the, the BS, I was like, oh, I'd just love to get away from this. And I would just love to go to Disneyland. And when I thought about how Disneyland has become all these different peoples from different crossroads for me, it really did inspire my heart that not only is it the happiest place on earth, but it's one of the most diverse places on earth. And I know that it has its troubled history and its founders and hey, what from 1955 or a company that started in the 20s doesn't have a troubled history because America does. But what it symbolizes to me today is this whole place is like it's a small world. I mean, there are two of everybody walking up and down Main Street right now, having a good time, having a once in a lifetime vacation or getting to see family or friends they don't get to see that often or somebody that they met through the Internet that they were hoping to meet and hang out with one day. Like when I thought about the the friendships that you and I have there and how different that group of people was, it just it just added a whole new level to the magic of how I see what the full potential of this place is. And it's one of the main reasons why I'm dying to get back is just because it just symbolizes everything in this world that is worth fighting for and, and worth believing in. Absolutely. Very nicely put. That's very touching to hear. Um, I agree. And I think that's why I'm a little worried about going back. It, it does hold that place in my life as well. And without that, you know, it's not like we're just, we have a wife and two kids and we want to take our kids to Disneyland and, and get that experience. It would be to go to sort of meet up with these other people, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's certainly a big part of it. Not that you can't go by yourself, but it's, it's this community thing that you're talking about. So... If that's altered, if that's not a possibility, or if that changes how you kind of meet at Disneyland, that'll be unfortunate. That'll be a big sort of hole I know. until we get to a place where that can go back to normal. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I do miss that part. And it was such a great year last year that I'm feeling the deficit even more oh. this year and to have it so abruptly taken away. The first Friday in June was that perfect Southern California June weather. It mm-hmm. It was just... There was a little bit of sun out, but not too much sun out. It was hovering right in the 60s. And I just thought, and we all got on chat and, and did our virtual uh, Disneyland hangout that night. And I just thought, and we said it when we were hanging out. If the world was normal, there was no way this particular Friday in June that we wouldn't all be meeting at Main Street train station, doing a lap, hanging out at the club, shutting it down. You know, like, uh, you guys can't drink here anymore. All right, well, let's see if we can get the last round at Oga's Cantina. Like, right, it, right. there's no way that particular Friday we wouldn't have been there with all of our friends. And it was the perfect early summer, late spring 
Disneyland weather and it just broke my heart because I know what I would be doing right now and who I would be doing it with. And, you know, after uh, we concluded our, our Disneyland tour, we were standing on Main Street just like a day before Christmas. And I just said over to um, our friend Carrie and Louie as we were hugging goodbye because you could do that in December 19. I just told them both, I'm like, we have had the best Disneyland year ever. Like yeah. all of the friendships and all the hanging out and how we all got so close and did these, you know, bi-weekly rips around the park. I'm just like this friendship, like finding a community inside of Disneyland made it feel like a real city. And it gave me real purpose that I can now kind of go there on my own and text and be like, yo, you, you going to be here tonight and just bump into my buds. Like, it mm-hmm. just I can't even explain to people how much that elevated the magic. And to have everything taken away is just so brutal. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. It totally is. So I, I am I am anxious to go. It's not that I am not I know. dying to get back. It's just, yeah. What is, I, uh, what is, <laughs> so you basically, you just want to sit back, like probably like a lot of people in the audience. You want to sit back and observe and sort of see that, I know you believe in Disney, but I bet mm-hmm. you want to just sit back and see that the guests are obeying the rules and observing and that it's a safe place. Is that what you, where you're at? Yeah, I think so. I think because everything is uh, explosive right now, it, all across the board. Sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm, like I said, I, I think there are things that are going to need to be worked out. And I think it's going to take a little while to work those things out. And if it, you know, if, if, if putting on a mask is a political decision, then everything else becomes that much more aggressive right. and stuff like that. And I think people are going to be sort of edgy too, right? Um, so if they're if they're having a rough time because it's warm in the park normally, uh, this is going to add a layer of frustration and concern. Sure. And we waited this long and oh, now we're not getting on and that kind of stuff. And, and I just, I don't want to go there in the midst of it. It would be interesting to witness that. Um, but um yeah, I think I just want to wait and see. And like I said, I think I'm going to get lots of reports online of here's what's happening. And, you know, any little thing people are, are happy to report or something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm still just too concerned that it would be a stressful trip for me more than an enjoyable one. And, and I don't want to sort of add that to the the memories I have of this place. I, I'm torn. I am torn. I would really like to go, but I think I'll, I'll wait a little bit. I know that the day that I drive there... I'm going to have that feeling I've had in my stomach a handful of times over the mm-hmm. last 12 weeks of, am I doing something really stupid right now? Right. <laughs> and, you know, me and my friends that record uh, Hammer Time over on the yeah. Addy Network, we've been getting together once a week at the entire pandemic and socially distanced recording our show. And there was the first couple of weeks when all this was hitting so hard. I'm like, am I putting my wife and my health at risk? to see my friends and do my job. And I was really worried that the audience would be like, how dare you guys get together? But what I learned was, is we started getting together and recording for about three hours, which I would chop up into a Friday, Saturday and Sunday episode. Mm-hmm. And Friday, we would just kind of hang out and talk shop, talk business. And Saturday we'd get kind of wild and talk about goofy guy stuff. And then normally on the Sunday show by hour three, we, we would get sort of into the political climate and how we were all feeling about coronavirus and you know the politics and where all this goes and we provided so much friendship to people that just felt lonely and isolated that couldn't be around themselves their friends but it was just riddled with this like am i being an idiot 
by going to a backyard and sitting eight feet from all my friends and never hugging them, never touching them, never crossing paths. Like I literally, like the guys now come and go with their own microphones. Like everybody just plugs into my recorder and then everything gets sanded down. But yeah, I know that the day that I get in my car, instead of like putting on Owl City and just Mm -hmm. being like pumped up that it's happening, I'll be like, am I doing something really stupid right now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's just caution. That's life, right? right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's going to take a while before it goes away, because I think even when we do feel safe, it's probably not too much safer. It's just different yeah right so um no i'm glad i'm glad you're going i I wasn't sure if you were gonna go right away or not so i'm excited to hear your report from it well this is my plan there is Mm -hmm. nothing guaranteeing that i'll get a reservation or that i'll actually get in right so this is the plan and if they do in california what they're doing in florida and they're doing cast member previews uh somebody better holler at your boy there you go because get in there early i've been keeping the gates open even when they were closed. I'm not asking for preferential treatment, but I'm asking for preferential treatment. Yeah, exactly. And I hope everyone is very nice and patient with these cast members. I do not envy them at all. They are are in the toughest position out of everybody because they are in the trenches. They're going to have to see this day in, day out, and, and they will feel the benefits. You know, we can walk away from someone who's not wearing a mask. They have to deal with these people or yeah, they're gonna have, have a conversation to, with them. They're going to have to go up to somebody that's like, this is my constitutional right. And they're going to have to be like, no, yeah. constitution doesn't say you can go to a place of business and put a mask. Like, so, you know, they're going to have to deal with that. When you think about how nice and, and well-trained these people are to create an ultimate experience for like a, somebody mm-hmm. that just wants to have an amazing day. I feel very bad for them to have to use their superpowers on speaking to somebody who's there's going to probably be people that go there with the mindset to define the rule or to to defy the rules, Mm -hmm. not define the rules, but to defy the rules. And that's somebody where, you know, I don't know. I feel bad for him. I felt bad for him during Rise of the Resistance because there's so many people that couldn't abide by those rules. And I went into I saw one night um, that city hall wasn't crowded and so i waited like one person and i came in like what can we do for you sir i'm like i'd like to talk to somebody about rise of the resistance and they're all like oh yeah and they put their they're like yeah and i'm like i want to say you guys have done an amazing job you've managed unrealistic expectations the whole rollout of the boarding group it's incredibly fair and it's not your all's fault the people aren't bright enough to understand that they can go live in the park and come when it's their time. But like, I just want to tell you guys, you've done an amazing job, and I've seen you guys put up with a lot of stuff. I want to tell you that I appreciate the job you've done. And they're all like, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. And then I kind of stood around I'm like, now about those citizen buttons. Bu- <laughs> citizen <laughs> buttons? They're like, all right, straggler, get out of here. Yeah. Next. Well, Jared, yeah. I think we've put together... A lot of food for thought. I think we put together a list. I'm going to try to get in there as early as possible. I'm going to try to go to downtown Disney as early as possible. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I I love the park. I try to be positively critical where I can. And, you know, I don't just say something sucks and don't all offer exactly. a constructive opinion. I understand what they're up against with budget and design. Like, I look at all this very, very realistically. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's listening, I will shoot you straight on how safe or unsafe that it feels there. And I'll even be like, you know, the cast members were doing a job. It took a while for the the audience to kind of figure out what was going on. Like, I will shoot you straight on all corners of what I see. They are not a company that can do no wrong. 
And I will also be very critical of the guests that go there. I do not believe that the customer is always right. And many times mm-hmm. the customer is very wrong and acts entitled to believing that they're right. So um, I will for sure offer back a very clear report to everybody on what's happening. Now, will I live stream in the park on that day? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'll be doing as far as content goes because having a mask on your face and holding up a camera and there'll be so many people there that'll be making it all about them. If I can figure out something I feel is smart and clever and gives the magic to people just like this podcast has done, then I'll make that play. But just to be like, okay, everybody, I'm going to be one of the first people in. Look how weird it is. That's not really my style. Yeah, I think just voiceless footage would be fantastic, you know, like just breezing by certain areas where you can really see how this is affecting the park experience. That'd that'd be great. Well, we'll see. And we're only weeks away. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. if Disney announced tomorrow, you know what? We're overshooting. We're going to slide back to Labor Day or whatever. I would celebrate that. Yeah, I I, I think I would really, really celebrate that. I think a lot of other fans would, too. But crazy times and Disney like everybody. Everybody acts like they've got endless money and they don't. They're they're a real business with real pinch points and, and they have to worry about making money as well. And I can respect that as a lifelong entrepreneur. Friends, 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 friends. What a wild, mm. wild journey to 10 safe places to go to a social distant reopening Disneyland. I hope you enjoyed this journey around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. And I hope if I get in, that I see you there, but you say hi to me from six feet away. <laughs> and you just go, oh, I just found a hidden bricky. And then I will do what I do. I just vanish. I just vanish behind the nearest tree. You don't even see me coming and going when the hidden brickies come and go. Friends, <laughs> I hope you had fun going on this trip with Jared and I. And I would now like to leave everybody with my new hit song, Face Mask and a Dream. There you go, friends. Another rip around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. Actually, another double episode, back-to-back weeks of hitting the two-hour marker or very, very close to it. Thank you so much for going to Disneyland with me each and every week. If you want to keep the good times going, head over to anchor.fm slash Disneyland for Designers where you can become a supporter or wherever you're listening today. Just leave us a positive review and as many stars as possible. And if you've already done that, how about telling a friend all the fun you're having still going to the park each and every week with your buds over at Disneyland for Designers. Three more episodes. Three more episodes and the gates will be open. Will I see you there? Will will we both be there on opening day or as close as possible? Reservations depending on when you and I each get into the park? I hope so. But I'm also hoping that Disney will do ultimately what they feel is the safest thing for their cast members, for their guests, and, and for the park and its long-term history and survival. Whatever they feel is best, I will trust them because nobody knows their business better than they do. But nobody loves it more than we do. And in that middle crossroad is where lies the heart of this place and why they love it, why we love it, and while it will remain the happiest place on earth while trying to be the safest place on earth. Friends, I'll see you back here next Wednesday when we go to Disneyland all over again. Until then, live the magic every single day and don't 
Stop believing. The magic is real and it's everywhere if you know where to look.